there's a reason they're doing that. And you know it's bullshit. Stock comes out with their numbers today. They lost 40% of their assets, down 23%, lower than they were before this whole thing. So there's a very significant line of bullshit, which is being fed upon. Listen, the gullibility of, I'm not going to just say it's one generation, but I'm just telling you. Let's just say the newer investor. I don't care if that's an old person or a new person, okay. Okay, a, a young person, but but it is more younger. The gullibility of believing all this stuff. I don't know if it's the hope of a dream, you know, the, the thought of a dream or whatever, but they're gullible and they suck up all this stuff. Look at what happened with um, GameStop. I mean, come on, seriously. And, and AMC, you know, GameStop is going to be the next whatever, right? And you have the cat, the likes of Kathy Wood talking about Bitcoin at, I don't know, a million bucks per coin or whatever. I mean, all this stuff, whether you believe it or not, is a little absurd, the numbers. But they're still like, what if? What if? You'll make this rather snappy, won't you? I have some very heavy thinking to do before 10 o'clock. Welcome back to the interview podcast on the Y Millbank Podcast Network from Millbank, South Dakota. This is Craig Weinberg. The interviewpodcast.org is the website for this show and all the conversations archived there and also where you can help support the show. If you get value out of the podcast and that value has a dollar amount attached to it, you can go there, click on the donate button, and you can help support the show directly. All help is much appreciated and very uh, welcomed. Another way you can help support is tell more people about it. Today, Andrew Horowitz, the president and founder of Horowitz & Company, is here. Andrew's written two books on the subject of investing and finance and has been a pioneer in the podcast space. In fact, the Disciplined Investor Podcast is the longest-running independent financial podcast ever. Thanks for listening. Are you in Fort Lauderdale? Is that correct? Fort Lauderdale, yes. The the, the rain country of the world, it seems. Yeah, didn't you get like 20-something inches in a day? A couple, yeah. what, a week ago? It was absolutely absurd. It was absurd. I mean, I had, there was, a, there was a, there was a point where it was rising so fast. I was like, I don't understand what's just happened because it was coming up the rain. It was over my dock. I'm on the water. And uh, I looked, I'm like, okay. And then I went outside at like eight o'clock. I'm like, wow, that got a lot higher. Then 8.30, I went outside. I'm like, what the hell? I mean, it was like literally <laughs> rising in front of me. I was watching it. And um, kind of scared me because it was low tide at 9.30. 9.30, it's 8.30, it's low. I'm like, well, how is that working? Anyway, pretty crazy. So it was peaking over your seawall as it's supposed to be going down? So it was over the seawall. Well, it, 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 let's just say that my concern was not that. My concern was that it, at 9.30, <laughs> it was still raining. And it was still rising. And that was the peak low tide. Now I got to turn around if it's continuing this process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tide's going to come up. And where's it going from there, right? Another two feet up. And I had about a, maybe about six inches to my electrical outlet on the dock. And then from there, uh, I was like, okay, that's not a problem. I could turn off the breakers and stuff. But now it's starting to come up to the level that was concerning that how much more do we have to the house? Mm-hmm. You know, because the, the nightmare, I can't even imagine, by the way, the nightmare of getting stuff wet in these houses in Fort Lauderdale, you just got to rip everything out. Yeah, it's just a horrible, horrible mess. You know, the mold, the mildew. Um, you know, climbing up the the, the walls, terrible. So, have you guys yeah. had um, much impact from hurricanes where you're at? Like, is that an issue where Always. you live? Every year, every year, every year is a hurricane year. 
it's the worst going to be, and then it doesn't happen, and the problem is then we get lulled into a false sense of security, mm. and then, uh, but, you know, you, you still have a boat on a lift out back. You got to tie, you know, just kind of put a few things, uh, tie that down, mm-hmm. uh, pull stuff in. I, I mean, we, we were supposed to get a few really bad hurricanes, and for whatever reason, the hurricanes always seem to happen at, like, the worst of it at, like, 2 a.m. So, you know, you don't know that's exactly crazy. what happened. Yeah. You're sleeping through it. And we have these very <laughs> thick impact windows, mm. so you can't hear anything that's going on outside. That's good um, and bad, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, you could, you could swing a bat at these things. Nothing's happening. Wow. So, um, and and then, um, uh, it it's. I haven't had any major storm problems besides storm surge, and even in the worst hurricane with a storm surge, mm-hmm. with what's called king tides, which are good, you know, foot and a half above normal, it never came over my dock before. So you can really only imagine. So this was yeah. new. Yeah. There's some discussion Holy about cow. how. They maybe had um, the either the Okeechobee line or another area. The floodgates were in the wrong position. Oh, and that's why, if that is true, that does tie out the discussion that I just had with you about why it rose so quickly. Mm-hmm. Somebody moved something, and that's why it rose so quickly. So, is is the theory that they could have been nefarious at some level? I don't know nefarious, but you know, stupid as always. You know, it's government stupid. Terrible. Well. Hello. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. Andrew Horowitz, uh, The Disciplined Investor. Um, when did you start that podcast? So I started that podcast in 2007. Eight, oh, oh, 2007, eight. So well, you, guess, you and Curry kind of, I mean, you jumped in yep. the podcast or the, the financial world. Right. So I'll tell you what happened. What happened was um, I wrote a book. The book was called The Disciplined Investor, uh, Essential Strategies for Success. And... Uh, my my um, publisher says, "Hey, you know what? It was like two thousand, late two thousand seven, maybe. You know, when we get this thing published, wouldn't it be great if you were to promote it through a podcast?" And I said, "What's a podcast?" Yeah, <laughs> I'm shocked. The publisher knew what one was. Yeah, I'm like, uh, "What does that mean?" Well, it's this thing where you're talking like, "Well, it sounds like a radio show," or you know, something like that. Was really mm-hmm. before it was video. Really, I'm like, they're like, "Yeah, it's a really up and coming thing." I'm like, "Really? Oh, well, what's involved?" Well, you know. You get a computer, you get a microphone, and back then I used GarageBand. Yeah, uh, and I had a, just a I, probably a microphone I still have in a closet back in the studio somewhere. <laughs> and uh, you know, I sounded really like you know very nasal and very far away. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have any good uh, working instruments, but okay, uh, did like thirty minute podcast put it together. But at the time, again, it was very new. So mm-hmm. Apple flew me out, or I flew out and met with all the people at Cupertino, and in the podcast division of Apple, and we talked. And uh, they told me what to do, how to optimize it, how to set it up, how to get it listed on Apple, you know, iTunes mm-hmm. podcast at the time, because that was really the only place. And that was, you know, the big thing, if you remember, why Apple's MP3 player became so successful, right? Yeah. Uh, or the the MP3 player, before even even that, you know, there was the Diamond Rio, which was one of the, I have in my drawer, actually, Diamond Rio. Different called, than the band. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, Diamond Rio, uh, the Rio player played um, the first one. It was the first one. Uh, I think you'd hold about maybe a dozen songs or so, maybe a little bit more. And the difficulty of getting that on and off, swapping what was, you know, on the <clears throat> internal card of mm-hmm. this and off was really hard. Mm. You know, you download it through yep. a song through LimeWire or Napster, right, at the time. And getting things on, forget about podcasts. It was not even happening, mm-hmm. right? You know, 60, 60 megs on something that holds, you know, 32 or 64 megs total. So um, Apple came out with iTunes, and that was the really big thing, why they were so successful in that in that business. 
Okay, so now, yeah, my, let's see that one. You, you put it on the screen? Yeah. Let's see what that looks like. Is that, uh, is that yeah, it? Yeah, that's a fancy one. That's kind of it. Yeah, yeah, the Diamond Rio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was probably, I had one that was more uh, blue and translucent. It was ah. kind of a cool one. But it's only 39 Oh, 39? vintage, only $39. Oh, yeah. Wow. It can't yeah. work. It says it works, so. I mean, well, eBay never What's lies. wrong with it? It's just like a little device. That's right. put, put a battery in. You put one single AA <laughs> battery in there. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and um, so so what happened was that um, iTunes had this big thing, and I, I followed all the directions and what they did. You know, fast forward. You mentioned Adam Curry. Um, I met Adam uh, maybe a year later. Okay. Maybe, maybe a year later, I was doing some stuff with Leo Laporte. Um, really? His podcast. Like the the tech guy back then. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so I this go was out to a studio. Now, was yeah. this before he had uh, the Twit network set up? No, no, or was this, this is Twit. It was rolling. Okay. Yeah, this is Twit. I was on Twit. I was on Twit many times. Uh, I went out to his place in uh, Petaluma, as a matter of fact, in the studio and spent time with him. And as so a matter he- of fact, he credits <laughs> me back then of saving him a ton of money because what happened was uh, I was talking about what, the crash that was about to happen and mm-hmm. he pulled all this money out of the market. He tells the story. Uh, he pulls all the money out of his market. And then I said, okay, maybe it's now time to go back in after this thing all collapsed. And he saved a ton of money and made a ton of money mm. on that. But what happened was the audience was all pissed off. The audience was like, I don't want to talk about business, even though we were talking about technology, business, right. right? And investing and stuff. I only want to know about diodes and nanometer chips. You know what <laughs> they, I mean? was, they wanted to geek out. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to geek yeah. out. They didn't want to even have a sidebar discussion mm. with the idea. Now, at the time, I also met Dvorak was on the show quite yep. often. And what happened was, I don't know if you want me to go into all these nitty gritty well, details. Well, I, but- I do. I'm fascinated only because Laporte is the reason that I yeah. found Dvorak and the ah. reason that I found the No Agenda show and then you with DH right. Unplugged. So right. it, it's a big wide network. Yeah, so yeah, yes, totally dig is. into it. I'm intrigued. Yeah. So what happened was I met Dvorak and we hit it off pretty well. And he and I, just for whatever reason, during the crash of, uh, it was coming into the crash right at the 2008-ish mm-hmm. time period. Um, I got my podcast rolling. I think they just started or no agenda right about then also. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Adam was coming off his his various podcasts like the Daily Source, Co- Source Code. So uh, Dvorak and I are talking maybe about once or twice a week for whatever reason on the phone. He's in California. I'm in, in, in Florida. And we're talking and we're talking and we're having these really deep conversations about business and things and all that. It was a weird kind of just thing. Right. And he says to me, oh, my gosh. A lot of people would want to listen to these conversations. We should do a podcast. I'm like, yeah, really? That sounds silly. Who wants to listen to our, you know, bitching, moaning, talking, doing crazy, whatever we're doing? He goes, I'm telling you, people would want to listen to this. Mm-hmm. So we started DH Unplugged. Now, somewhere along the line, Adam Curry was working um, with Dvorak at uh, a startup called Mevio. Mevio, yeah, called. yep. So I flew out to Mevio. I met with them because uh, they wanted to do something with me as well. And we were doing something and putting something together and all that. And it was just like, there was too much going on at once, to be honest with you, right? Because, you know, that was not my job. You know, this is not my job. <laughs> my job is a money manager. No, in all of this, guy. you're still an investment guy, right? Yeah, I'm still an investment guy. But it was like, it was like uh, I, I can't. And, and at the time, I was not as able to just get in front of a microphone and just puke words for two or three hours at a clip, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I got to write it all down. I got to oh, kind of practice it. it. Yep. Yeah. Let me, let me, I have all my old scripts. Uh, let me <laughs> talk about it to this day. I still do a lot of yeah. uh, bullets and stuff like that. And I kind of know what I'm going to talk about. So I don't go off. Cause I want to make sure that during my shows, they're very concise. They're very tight. We're talking about the things that are important for the uh, listener and every once in a while. Yes, I'll go off. Right. A lot of times I go off, but <laughs> I get dragged back. 
yeah. to what is the topic at hand that uh -huh. we want to talk about. So anyway, I met Adam. We became good friends as well. Um, so you met Adam through John. Through John, through Mevio. Yep. Okay. Um, and he and I, as a matter of fact, I, I wrote him one day, I called him one day. I said, I think I called, I wrote him. I said, hey, I'm coming to London. He was living in London at the time. I'm coming to London. First time before I met him. I'm coming to London and um, with my son. And hey, if you're available to get together, let's get together. So he's like, sure. So we got together. I met him and uh, we hit it off really well. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Uh, so from there, we all just became, you know, chums mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, he worked and did the no agenda show and, uh, I did, uh, the, uh, the discipline investor. I was also for a year, hold on to your hat, uh, for a year due to a relationship, uh, a professional relationship with a, another podcast called, uh, grammar girl. If you heard, heard a grammar girl podcast, very good podcast talks about grammar, which is. You know, who wants to listen to that? It's actually a good podcast. It's a really good podcast. Uh, but she said to me, she goes, I need your help. I'm like, what's up? She goes, the the woman that that uh, hosts the Money Girl podcast, which was relatively popular, can't do it anymore. Can you fill in? For the money on the Money Girl podcast? So let me just give you the uh, let me give you the intro. Hey, this is Andrew Horowitz, the Money Girl. Thanks for listening today. That's how it went. Yeah, That's for about awesome. a year. For a year. I was a money girl for about a year. So, um, so, so actually that led to another book deal with that publisher okay. that was doing uh quick and dirty tips. So I got a book deal with them. I got a podcast deal with them, uh, which led to another podcast for me, which was, uh, um, I think about a year we ran that one, uh, just on financial tips. So how to make money in any market and all that. So, so I've done two or three, so I've, I've done, I've been the host of four different podcasts, I guess in my day, maybe five. Um, but anyway, so that's, that's the story and we all get together and Adam and myself and Tina, my wife, Jill, we get together every once in a while. We're talking about it right now. As a matter of fact, I was texting with Tina this morning. Uh, we're talking about, uh, uh, you know, getting together. So that's awesome. Um, it's, it's a nice group. It's a nice group. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. It is. My wife and I had a chance to sit down and have coffee with her last October down in, in Fredericksburg. So. Oh, was, very uh, nice. It, it was cool. Adam, of course, it was during, it was on a Sunday, so. He was preoccupied. Yeah, no, no agenda. So, um, no agenda. so the Discipline Investor podcast is on episode 813. Is it once mm -hmm. a week? or what's your... Once a week. Once and a week. Longest running independent financial podcast. That's what I thought I had heard, and it makes yep. total sense. Um, DH Unplugged is on episode 650. Um, right. So uh, I think we were about a year after that, and maybe okay. just an episode here or there. So one of the things that fascinates me, because I, I found that show later on, you know, at some point, you know, after my no agenda indoctrination, um, mm -hmm. the uh, Dvorak had would mention DH Unplugged and then, you know, Curry would talk about you every now and then. So I went and looked it up, found it. Um, one of the things that I love is it's pretty concise. Um, it's, I mean, you guys are almost dead on an hour consistently. So that must be your ability to keep track. I got my clock right clock? there. I'm looking at it right now. I got a clock <laughs> nice. right there. That clock, when it strikes, I'm done. You're done. Yeah. I got two clocks. I got the I got the recording clock that I see in front of me from the start to finish. Yep. Uh, where we are and I will what's interesting about that I script that out you know in terms of news points mm -hmm. and somehow we magically get to an hour I don't know maybe I've become really good at it or something's weird well, a few years we get to it. an hour yeah I know that we at, at, at 10 2 we got to start talking about the stocks okay you know so that's mm -hmm. one hour exactly um <clears throat> I love how it ends it, it's probably my favorite end of a show oh it's just but well, just the way it wraps John's like okay bye Done. Yes, yeah. And that's oh, it. Bye. Air yeah. over. See you next week. <laughs> right. It's cool. Yeah, we don't because... drag it out. Some shows no. drag it out. You know, yeah. they, go, they put the this this 
this melancholy music on and it's like, okay, you know, we're going to see you next week. And in the meantime, I want to make sure you have a really great week and, you know, do the things that you want to do, you know, be, 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 be proactive with your life and all that. And by the way, if you want to give us a donation and then you talk to the co-host, of course, and the co-host starts with the uh, same thing. Yes. What a great show this week. And I can't wait to see it again next week. You know, yeah. no. Mm -hmm. What's the point? Bang. All right. See you next why week. Wait, Bye. Why waste milli, milli, <laughs> right. megabytes? Yeah, it, it's great. I love it. So anyway, it's one of my weekly lessons too. So great. Um, <clears throat> Florida. Have you always been there? I lived in New York till 1987. And in 1987, I, I thought, so, hey, so you know. Born and raised in New York. Born and raised in New okay. York. Yep. Born and raised in New York. I was born in um, in uh, Manhattan. Uh, lived in, uh, parents with Jamaica, Fresh Meadows. Moved out to Long Island, to Comac, then got my own place there for a while. And uh, I was commuting back and forth from Long Island into Queens. And one day I was driving and it was snowing. It was like a Thursday or Friday. And the LIE, the, the Long Island Expressway 495, it's a pretty big road for that, what it was. It gets busy and it's snowing and it's snowing. And people are just abandoning their cars on the side of the road. I'm like, wow, this is, no, this is not what I want. So I got off the parkway right there at that exit and it happened to be, I think, Manhasset. And I, it was just horrible. I remember there's a big hill to get up. It was just terrible. And I think I went to my, at the time, my grandparents were still living there, I think. And I went there, I don't know, I got, and I'm like, what the hell? What is this all about? And the shoveling and the inside and you can't go, I like boating, I like fishing, I like doing things outside. I'm like, you can't do that. We get excited in May. Oh, it's May. How exciting. And then you just like three months, four months, and then it's done, right? You know, everything is like buttoned up again. And it's freezing out. So I said, you know what? I'm going to look at two different places. I'm going to look at California, LA in particular, and I'm going to look at Florida because everybody that I know retires to Florida. So why would I wait? What's the point of waiting till, you know, it was all, you know, work, 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 go to Florida, retire. Five years later, you're dead. That was mm -hmm. kind of the sequence of mm -hmm. events. I'm like, well, why would I want to, when, when people are starting to enjoy their life at the fullest, why am I going to wait? So anyway, I go to, I go to LA. And this is mid eighties at this point. Late, this late 86, 86. Okay. So 86, I go to, I go to LA and uh, I'm sitting with a friend and we're in a restaurant in Hollywood called, I don't know. I remember this Yamashiro. It was a great sushi restaurant on the mountain and we're eating. And I remember talking to some people to my right, to my left. And they were just like the whole time, this, Blank stare. You know what I mean? They, 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 I'm like, what's happening? You know, they're like, hey, dude. I'm like, oh. And I would go around LA and the traffic was terrible. Mm -hmm. There was smog, right? And the people at the time, I was like, you talk to them for five minutes, they're like, huh? You know? I'm like, there's something about what's going on here and I don't fit, right? So I came down to Florida. Now, there's one other point you have to know that when I went, it was if I was going to live in L.A., my friend, this woman, she lived out there. Now, if I was going to come down to Florida, I had three women I was going to live with. So I'm like, hey, you know, <laughs> there's a there's a slight advantage right here in this discussion. But secondly, my grandparents were down here. I knew the Eric's. I came down here as a kid. My parents would pack us up in the car and drive down to Florida from New York. You know, during Christmas or various times of the year. I had great grandparents that I used to visit down in Hallandale. Mm. So I knew the, you know, general area, although, you know, it was back then. There's a lot of changes since 87. So I came down here and also I had a good job hookup at the time. So I said, you know, I think I'm going to choose Florida because I rented a 
three-bedroom, three-bath bath townhouse in a golf club community at the time for $900 a month. I got the master bedroom. I paid $300 a month. And the two girls that I lived with paid $300 a month. I'm like, <laughs> how great is huh. this? So that's how, how I got How old are you at this time? Right now? I'm no, 15. no, 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 then. Oh, then oh, I then was, now. I don't know. Then I was uh, 87. I was, uh, what, I was uh, 22. Okay. So growing up in New York, um, what was your understanding of Donald Trump back then? Because at, at that point, what was he? You want to know the, my New York opinion ma- as a New Yorker? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Not like po- not the political side. No, yeah, just like Trump as a uh, financial wizard, as they say. Yeah, total sleazeball. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's everybody in New York. That's that was the opinion that he he bankrupt places. That was. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying is that. I'm just telling you what the yeah. opinion was. Yeah. When I was back there in the 80s, mm-hmm. was this is a is a fast paced guy that you know builds stuff. Uh, is very difficult. This is the, the stuff that came to me, right? This is I don't know how it filtered to me. I don't. I don't even know how. I don't know. I don't know how I got this information. Um, but he would would screw the um, uh, the, the various vendors mm-hmm. and uh, leverage out too much stuff to the point is like in Atlanta City that stuff would go bankrupt mm. and 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 leave the mess for everybody else. That's what the this is back in the eighties. Okay, I'm not saying what it is now. So if everybody's like, oh, this guy horrible, I'm just telling you what it was. You're asking me, I'm telling you. I remember him being known as <clears throat> philanderer, horrible person, bankrupt mastermind, yeah. um, and you know, a, a showboater. Like th- that was my understanding of right. him as in the '80s. Um, Where are you from? Uh, Oregon. So I'm from the West Coast. Oh. I live now in the North Tundra in South Dakota. So uh, we had snow. So you made the <laughs> you made the the big move from Oregon to South Dakota, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Hey, luckily. Okay. Um, it's been here 15 years now. Um, my business could not have survived. I don't believe had I lived in Oregon through no. the COVID nonsense. Cause they're, mm. you know, the lockdowns and all that. Oregon was really tight. Uh, yeah, Minnesota's tight, lockdowns. but we didn't anyway. have any lockdowns here. Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> South Dakota and Florida. We're pretty clear, right? <laughs> you guys just have better weather. Right. Uh, so <clears throat> when did you get into cooking? Oh, so my grandmother, Goldie. Mm-hmm. It was kind of an interesting thing. She lived in Queens and Bayside. She was a little bit of a thing, right? This this Jewish grandmother. And, uh, you know, anytime I get the, Andy, Andy, come make me a kiss. You know, this whole thing. She lived in this really uh, small house. She had a ba- basement. Uh, she used to cook. She was the grandmother that no matter what time I would get to her house, uh, unannounced. Oh. Unannounced. Unannounced. Yeah. Uh, come in, come in, come in. And by the time I somehow got to the front door, to the kitchen, there's a plate of hot food ready for me. So it's just always magic- on? It's just magically it, boiling? In, in the unbelievable. Side. I don't know how what was going on there. It's like, you want some more stuffed cabbage? I'm like, if you got it ready. I say, sure. I'm like, oh, okay. This is not the days, by the way, where it was frozen and you put it in the microwave. There's no microwaves back then. This is all real. This is weird. This is, I mean, there's always food going on. <laughs> wow. There's always food going on. So um, I don't know if it was that, but somewhere... Uh, there was a moment. I can actually tell you the moment. So there was a moment that I was in Montauk, Long Island in the summer. And I was maybe 16 years old or so, uh, 15. And we'd go out every summer with my parents on the boat. And we'd have another family that we'd go as well on the boat. And then, then we were at this marina and there was all these other people that we know. It was kind of like, think about uh, families going to a campground concept, mm-hmm. right? And you go every year and the same people are there. 
so you know all the people after a while, right? You know, but with this boating and all. So I remember we caught all this fish. And that night, the kids, us kids, were taking a walk. It must have been before I was driving. So it must have been before 15, maybe 15. So we took a walk and we were going fishing on the Viking Starship, which went out from Montauk to Block Island. And we're going night fishing, which is a very crazy affair. You leave at nine, you get back at 2.30. You're hanging out with all these old salt skippers with smoke in the cigars <laughs> and the diesel engine coming up and the and the and the and the rotten herring smell that's coming up. And if you are not of of a very sound stomach, you've got problems. Okay. <laughs> so we're fishing uh, at night and we we're t- we talk about it for like months in advance. What are we going to do? What, 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 what are we the baits? We're going to the hooks, the, you know, months. <laughs> so, but the parents said to me, Andy, that's what they called me in New York, Andy, you know what? You've cooked beef. You like cooking a little bit, right? I'm like, huh? Why don't you make the fish for us tonight before you go? I'm like, okay. I had no idea what to do. Right. So I'm thinking, what do I do? So I wrapped all the fish in, in portions in, in aluminum foil. I put some spices in there. I said, look, just put it on the grill for like 10 minutes. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what I, maybe I knew something I didn't. I don't remember that very clearly. And then, you know, it should be ready to go. So you're just right? making this grab, up. I'm making this up, but I put it, I figured it would be really cool to like almost steam it inside the aluminum foil with all these different spices. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, not that many spices, you know, whatever you had handy. <laughs> I come back the next morning. Everybody's like, Oh my God, the fish was unbelievable. I'm like, huh? And they're going on and on about this fish. I'm like, I don't even remember what exactly I did, but okay. <laughs> So from there, you know, my mother, did she cook uh, hamburger helper? Uh, she'd make, you know, mac and cheese, a few things here and there. Always made, a, like for whether it was Thanksgiving or various holidays, made soups and chopped liver. I remember my mother and my father used to love tongue. So my mother would get a big tongue and put it in a pot and like had to push the tongue down <laughs> at the pot and stuff and make it and, you know, want us to eat it. And I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. But okay. Um so anyway, uh, somewhere along the line, I enjoyed the excitement of a restaurant. I've worked in a few restaurants mm. um, on all sides of the restaurant, by the way. As a matter of fact, I'll fast forward and come back. When I came down to Florida, I had experience in the restaurants in a place called El Torito in New York. When I came down here, there was a place very close to where I was going to work in the investment insurance world at the time called Husong and Larry's. That was a sister company. I went in there. I worked every side, the bar. I worked... Um, the Sunday brunch, I set the whole Sunday brunch up. I'd work um, uh, in the expediting area. I'd work the waitering, always more money in waitering than, but I could also work the line if I had to. So I, I would kind of, in this Mexican restaurant, I'd go back and forth, and that was a great source of income mm-hmm. for me because I could work whenever I wanted at any particular place. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, I, I got you know interested in that, and I was always able to throw a dish together. So my house right now, I just live with my wife, my kids are out, is like a, a scene from Chopped. You know Chopped? Yeah. <laughs> my wife goes shopping. That's she just awesome. buys random shit. Yeah. And she says, Andrew will make it go, work. Make something for dinner. <laughs> Seriously. I'm like, that sounds okay. like so much fun. Yes, this was on sale. I'm like, okay, so you got a rutabaga. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like you got you got uh you got some chicken here, I see. You know, you got a few oranges and you got, okay, I'm ready, you know? Wow. So, yeah. So, so I, 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 this weekend, um, on Friday night, I was with, at a party and, um, I mean, yeah, the Friday night and my friend's daughter was there and she says, you know, the, I had matzo ball soup for the first time recently. I love it. I'm obsessed. I made her a whole thing of matzo ball soup this weekend. And then I took the other uh, from scratch, by the way. And then I took the, uh, and then I saw a really nice cauliflower at the store. 
So what I did is I did a roasted, roasted off some garlic, um, took the cauliflower with the chicken stock that I made, put it into a pressure cooker, pressure cooked it. Then I used my emulsion blender, immersion blender, and made a uh, cream of cauliflower roasted garlic soup for my kids. Just banging it out. <laughs> Why not? I'm a lunatic. I'm a lunatic. I like it. What what in, what interested you at some point? Like, how in the world did you say, you know what? Finances. The financial world. Stocks. That's where I want to get into. So I was kind of muddling around in the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it's a hard business, right? That's when I was young. My dad says, hey, why don't you try the insurance and investment business? I've been doing it for years. I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, that's horrible. Why would I do something like that? Then I started thinking, well, you know what? He's has a, provided a nice income <laughs> right. for the family over the years. You know, I mean, something uh, works. So I said, you know, what, what, what's what, what could be bad, right? So I also had a hookup in Manhattan. So okay, I said, you know what? I'll see what it's all about. So I ended up going to these various companies, and they said, you know what? You have no experience. I'm like, no kidding. But I have my uncle who works here, who's in charge. Yeah, but you know what? He wants you to get one year training somewhere. This somewhere else? Yeah, yeah. This, this is what he said. This is I'm, I'm 20, whatever, 21, something like that, 22. Right before, it was, it was like an year and a half before I got here. So it was like probably 21 right out, you know. And, and So he says, well, you go train at like a John Hancock and we'll take you from $30,000 a year. I'm like, from 30000 Okay. You know, back then, right? To a hundred thousand dollars a year, your next year of income. I'm like, what? A hundred thousand is like a million dollars, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. But I was pissed off they didn't hire me. I went to work at John Hancock. I had a debit. I had a geographic area in uh, Queens that was mine. Uh, anybody that had a policy of John Hancock at the time it was a special thing called debits, where you'd go and you'd actually collect the premium. You have a debit book and you'd write it down. That wasn't the case. But I was also part of a union a subdivision of the AFL-CIO Meatpackers Division oh. as an insurance agent. And they would say, hey, well, you know what? We don't like our pay scale. I'm, I'm a 21-year-old pisser. We want to go on strike. I'm like, why? <laughs> Who cares if an insurance agent goes on strike? I mean, seriously, nobody wants to see us to begin with, right? <laughs> They're like, you're a union buster. I'm like, I'm not a union oh, buster. Geez. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and I got like tagged at this union buster thing. And uh, so I, I made actually agent of the year. I had a really crazy desk. It was uh, an intercom system that was like, Andy line two. You know, that was the really? intercom system. <laughs> it was a crazy, there was like 30 of us that worked in this place. Crazy characters, crazy, crazy, one of a kind characters that I could tell you about. It's too long of a story that worked <laughs> in this place. Uh, each one of them at a desk around me that I shared the phone with four of them, right? We shared this one phone. There was no mobile phones back then. It was an even, old Bakelite. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. not even any... Um, there wasn't ever even any uh, any beepers, pagers at that time. So anyway, I started there. It was kind of interesting. They taught me all the wrong things. They taught me basically how to rip off people, to be honest with you. Oh. Uh, but at the time, I didn't know that, right? I didn't know that I was doing anything wrong. They showed me, okay, this is how you sell a policy. Mm-hmm. This is how you do this. I got all my licenses. I was a Series 6, Series 63, um, life insurance, health insurance, property casualty insurance. I could do automobile insurance. Within six months, I got every single license. And I was selling mutual funds and doing all the stuff that – they told me to do. That's the training. So I didn't know, right? What do you know? So I finally realized, you know, I, I just, something about this doesn't resonate well with me. Um, so that's when I made the move to Florida. It was somewhere in there, uh, you know, I uh, moved to Florida. Um, drove down on July 3rd from Montauk 
uh, was the family was out there. So I drove down with my car, packed it all up. I drove down to Montauk from Montauk and arrived in Florida, July 4th, 1987. Did you see 2008 coming? Yeah. As a matter of fact, if you read, I did. There was actually funny you mentioned that because there's not that many moments of clarity you have in this world, mm -hmm. right? Much less in the investment world where things can change with a drop of a hat, right? I had a moment of clarity. So I had a house up in Lake Placid uh, as a, a second home uh, on the lake. It was, uh, you know, we'd ski, we'd have people out, beautiful white sand beach. It was a fantastic. Older house, five bedroom, but it was it was in a sleepy town of Lake Placid, Florida. And, and no, there was no giant, out. well, there was alligators, but no giant alligators <laughs> right. eating everybody, right? Um, and I remember everybody was, I was young. I was very young. Uh, I was, it was, I was probably about 30. 30-ish. And uh, I had two houses. Big, big, big overhead. And uh, I'm on the lawn of this, of my house. And, and, and I was talking to my sister, who who didn't do very well financially, but yet she kept telling me that she was buying a house. And she bought this really expensive house. I'm like, how'd you get a loan? Well, we got zero, in, zero percent, zero mm -hmm. uh, down payment loan. And then I started thinking and looking around and thinking about all the other people getting all these zero down payment loans. And I saw what was happening with the real estate business. So I guess it was like 2006, 2006. And I started like getting a little weirded out by the whole thing and watching it very carefully. And I'm like standing on my desk, freaking out, screaming to people, oh my God, do you see what's going on in the markets? Do you see what's going on in the real estate? This is not going to end well. The amount that who they're giving money to is ridiculous. And then my sister would go and get home equity loans. The house goes from 500,000 to 600,000 to 700,000 to 800,000. And she keeps ripping 100,000 out at a time. I'm like, how is that happening? And I said, we are in for a really bad situation. On the back of my book that I wrote in 2007. So you have to remember in 2007, mm -hmm. I wrote the book and then it was published late 2007 or early eight, whatever it is. I said, we're going to have a market correction and a market crash like we haven't seen since the Great Depression. I wrote that. I wrote that. Wow. And I was all over the place. People thought I was a lunatic, <laughs> a lunatic. But uh, the good news is that did get me on the MSN back in the day, MSN money game yep. game. And I won that. And uh, I was the only one kind of going short and saying, this is not going to end well. Everybody's down 30, 20, 40%. I'm up 14% by the end of a six month period that all hell was breaking loose, which was fine. You know? Um, so anyway, uh, it, it was very clear. Now, the difference between then and now is there. it's not as clear right now because there's so much intervention that clouds the circumstance. It, it, it doesn't um, help, but it just perhaps just obscures it, right? It obscures it dramatically. The the need to uh, tell the story constantly uh, that's different than what's going on, mm -hmm. that, you know, the Fed constantly bending the rules of, of, of communication, of nudging, of pushing, of manipulating um, – and and social media, none of that helps because you're not just looking at the data and the facts anymore. Right. As crazy as it sounds, you know it's, it's spin it's like, now, isn't it? It's like an opinion verse. Yeah, and it's it's terrible spin, and nobody gets in trouble for saying things that are not true, because it just is the way of the world, right? Well, the um, left says Tucker did finally, so it's, you it's never know. The, well, you got you know, all the, that's the problem, right? That's yeah. the problem. It's so uh, bifurcated, and there's so much opinion and. I don't think also, I think there's also a problem that uh, there there is a high level of confidence thinking that the government's going to bail out everybody because we have bailed out everybody mm -hmm. over the last 20 something years.
uh, versus let something set. fail. And even if you let something fail, it's, it's not a big deal. It's yeah. like the, the two bank failures that we just had, Silicon and, and Signature, were bigger than the failures that we had in 08. Were they really? Yeah. But now just the storyline is different, so we're good. Storyline is totally different. we got to contain. we got money in. Don't worry about it. And then we have, like, companies coming in. Uh, we got $30 billion that's going into First Republic from the uh, led by J.P. Morgan. They're going to put mm -hmm. it in unsecured deposit accounts. Like, wait, did you need to announce? Why are they right. announcing yeah. unsecured? Like, there's a reason they're doing that, right? Mm -hmm. And you know it's bullshit. Stock comes out with their numbers today. They lost 40% of their assets, down 23%, lower than they were before this whole thing. So there's a very significant line of bullshit, which is being fed upon. Listen, the gullibility of, I'm not going to just say it's one generation, but I'm just telling you, let's just say the newer investor. <laughs> I don't care if that's an old person or a new person, okay. Okay? A, a young person, but, but it is more younger. The gullibility of believing all this stuff. I don't know if it's the hope of a dream, you know, the, the thought of a dream or whatever, but they're gullible. And they suck up all this stuff. Look at what happened with um, GameStop. I mean, come on, seriously. Yeah. And and AMC, you know, GameStop is going to be the next, whatever, right? And you have the cat, the likes of Kathy Wood talking about Bitcoin at I don't know a million bucks per coin or whatever. I mean, all this stuff, whether you believe it or not, is a little absurd. The numbers, mm -hmm. but they're still like, what if? What if? Well, is, is this a casino culture? I kind, kind of a mindset. Why? You know why? Because if you run out of money, what happens? Just go get Somehow more. you'll get more. <laughs> right. Yeah. You got the gig economy. You can sell stuff. You can go naked on Instagram or whatever it is. You go to TikTok. You get paid. There's all these possible things. You know what I'm going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a crazy thing, and I'm going to eat uh, hot peppers on Instagram or, or TikTok, and I'm going to get a big following. There's all these people want to see me eat ghost peppers and scorpions. and I mean, it's like... And it I, works I like for a few people. That. Yeah, it, 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 I, That's I like what's insane. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a couple minutes left before you got to run. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to pull up one of JCD's tricks. I've got a few people I want you just to say your first thought about him. Um, oh, <laughs> sorry, this is fun. <clears throat> Yellen, South Park character. <laughs> no, am I wrong? <laughs> no, okay, I'm, I'm in. Uh, Alan Greenspan, uh, Thesaurus. Ooh. I still you want think it's fast. Or you want one word. You want one word. You want what no, do you want? no, just a, a bite, a, a sound yeah, bite. Yeah, the, the greatest, uh, the greatest um, wordsmith and confuser of markets ever. <laughs> loved him, by the way. Loved him because I loved the puzzle that he created, trying to undo it for days after the fact. That's what I, I think. Well, you don't have to be as crazy as he was, you know, that <laughs> level. But this whole thing of trying to create transparency and all of something that we know that they don't know about is kind of stupid. I, I interviewed, you should listen to last week's podcast on the Discipline Investor. I uh, talked, I, I had lunch with uh, uh, former Vice President uh, Clarita. I asked him just that whole question. Why are you hmm. guys always wordsmithing? Is it because they got nothing better to do? Well, because they're trying to make sure that everybody stays uh, confidence. Big confidence game. Mm. You got to have confidence. Uh, system. It, isn't that the long version of a con game? Oh, wait, never mind. Yeah, I don't think it's a con game as nope. much as it's more like you have to have confidence in the God we trust. That's the only thing back in the dollar because otherwise, what the hell? It's gotcha. going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, isn't he married? Wasn't Greenspan married to uh, or isn't to uh, Andrea Mitchell? NBC yep. News. NBC News. Which takes me to she didn't leak data ever. No. No, 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 no. True, straight up journalism. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Andrea Mitchell. Rush Limbaugh. I, I don't know. Rush Limbaugh, uh, rest in peace. I, I mean, 
creator of the of the of of the right wing uh I, I don't know abrasive abrasive i don't know if it's good or bad but abrasive that's what i'm thinking of him buffett uh not as sweet as you think <laughs> this is the guy yeah who says i buy all these companies for the long hold and what does he buy i want you to what is the Industries that rip you off the most ever in life. The railroad and mortgages. Banking. <laughs> yeah. I'll, put the, I'll put the railroads aside. Okay. Banking and insurance. Mm. Banking insurance. He buys companies that you get addicted to and have no choice but to buy, like Coca-Cola. It, it's fascinating. Brilliant. I'm yeah. not saying it's bad, right? But if you think about it, there's a little bit of, it could be a little evil weirdness going on there. It's not so nice and fuzzy. But uh, I mean, but 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 not yeah, taking anything no. away from him. Oh, right? of course. Not, not well, clearly, he's yeah. successful. Something's yes, working. He's done yeah. well. He's done well. <laughs> um, where's the best place people can find you on the interweb? So you just look me up, Andrew Horowitz. You can find me over on Twitter, Andrew Horowitz, one word. You can go over to disciplinedinvestor.com. All the strategies that we manage are there. The podcasts are there. Go on your favorite podcasting repository <laughs> or app, and you can find uh, the Discipline Investor. As well as um, DH Unplugged. DH Unplugged also is live on Tuesday nights. Myself, John C. Dvorak. We uh, that's live we, streamed uh, on dhunplugged.com. You can go to actually No Agenda Stream. Okay. We take over the No Agenda Stream at, but you can go to DH Unplugged. It, Get it, there. It's all there's a chat room and there's a link box for the for the audio and all mm -hmm. that as well there too. So excellent. Um, but you can find me there. So I'm 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 everywhere. You can also get my audio book. It's over on still on Amazon, uh, Audible. Uh, the audio book, The Discipline Investor, which I. Uh, was asked to actually do the voice on, which was one of the most difficult things ever in life. You read your own book? Yeah, trying to. It's not about reading your own book. It's the yeah. consistency. You go day after day oh, yeah. after day, and you have to have the same voice throughout all of it. Mm -hmm. So, like, one day you're a little stuffy or something like that. You're like, eh. yeah. you know, you got to be at the same spot on the microphone talking the same thing, the same cadence, the same mm. rhythm, the same uh, tonality, right? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not easy. No, that's a lot of work. Um, and talking about finance. All right, one last word of advice that you would give to the new investor um today so as a new investor i would tell you uh general this is a financial piece i'm going to just spit out first of all max out your 401k i don't care if your company contributes or not it doesn't matter if you don't have 401k max out your ira your roth ira whatever i will share with you this is obvious but i'm telling you as now i'm older okay the earlier you start the more you'll wake up one day and go holy shit that's a nice sum of money i got going on there versus holy shit how am i going to retire ever yeah i mean there's a differential there right you want to make sure that you have starting and then it doesn't matter buy etfs buy buy some things to start yourself off when you get big enough to a point that's unmanageable you'll find a outside advisor that you want to work with but the point is that uh don't fall for the scams don't try for the get rich quick we all know how that ends up you know steady wins the race we talk about buffett steady wins the race you, know, you look at some of these other guys that collapsed because they kind of put the thrusters on way too soon and and, and just exploded in midair. But um, some of the stuff you could do on the outside, right? The you want to you want to invest in 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 the SPACs like we did back when. Those are you got to know they're not permanent. You want to do like the the crazy coin deals? That's great, Beanie Babies. I don't care, great. But know when the hell to get out of those kinds of things yeah. and keep your base stuff. But invest early and don't touch it. Think of your investments as a lobster trap. You ever see a lobster trap? Mm-hmm. A lobster goes in very easily, right in. Can't figure out how to get out, though, ever. One way in, no way out. That's your money. Hmm. Put the money in. It doesn't come out unless 
It's a severe emergency. And you'll wake up one day, even in a, just an average yielding account, with a lot of money because I got to tell you, uh, I've seen this. I've grown up with my clients. I see what happens. And the people that wait, I got clients that come in. They're 65 years old. They got $350,000. I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> well, we're living on Social Security and we're trying to take 7% a year from our investments. I'm like, how are you taking 7% a year? How is that? We're trying to be conservative versus you know, the person who I started with when they're 25 and now they have X amount of millions, let's say, from a variety of different corners that were all amassed. And you know what? They can do what they want to do. So it's a long life. We're all living longer. Back in the day when I worked at John Hancock, the planning was pretty much at 70, you drop dead. You only plan until you yeah. live to 70. Now, you live until what, 85, 90? Yeah, then you can run for president. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Andrew exactly. Horowitz, thanks a ton for coming on. Um, thanks so much, Craig. Stay dry. And we'll, yeah, let's uh, end it. We'll, Goodbye. We'll, 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 we'll hey, chat bye. later. Bye. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. Thanks a lot. Right, see you. All right, bye-bye. Andrew Horowitz, thanks a lot for hanging out with me for the last few minutes. Find him, Andrew Horowitz, across the interweb and social medias. Don't forget the interviewpodcast.org, or rather, remember, the interviewpodcast.org is where you can find all the shows that come out of here and help support the show. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you in the next one.